0: three two one i feel the plot about to sicken. i like this thing action you're listening to basic brain Heart with hannah camacho i got something on my face it's about to get real, real, real up in here
1: And I remember we had a moment where we were reading the scene for the pilot. We were kind of like a third of the way into it. And she kind of gave me a look. And then she kind of went off script and started to improv a little oh, bit. Oh, wow. And I kind of looked at her like, oh, yeah. Okay.
0: yes." Yeah, Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back to Basic Brain Heart, the show where we celebrate and interrogate creatives. Today we have a really fun interview with Donna Lynn Champlin, who is one of the co-stars of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which is a show on CW. We talk about everything from how she came to be on the show to how a fine arts degree actually affects your parenting skills for the better. And we even get into why disengaging from social media is just great for your mental health. Donna Lynn was a great sport and it was so great to have her on the show. So without further ado, again, I'm gonna let her do the talking now. Well, Donalyn, thank you so much for hopping on the show today. I know you have a busy week going on. Sounds like you're going to be traveling here, there, and everywhere. Yes,
1: yes. Some for work, some for family.
0: Good um, times.
1: Well, I'm actually um, doing um, TV STEM, doing a recurring character uh, on an, on another show
0: Fantastic. on Comedy
1: Central, and... Um,
0: can you it's, share I what mean, show it is, or is that is that under wraps I for can't. now? I can't. Isn't okay. that so,
1: so like, it, right? so <laughs> posh? I can't, you know, only because the casting of it is a bit of a, I don't want to say an inside joke, but... sure. Um, my my casting is is somewhat
0: of a joke that none of us want to ruin. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic! No, we'll we'll keep our eyes peeled. <laughs> That's great. Um,
1: yeah, but it's it's really fun and it's really great to um, you know, uh, work with another set of people because I you know I come from the theater world.
0: Totally. And
1: um, Crazy X was kind of is like the only TV experience I've ever had where I haven't been just like a day player. Wow. That's yeah, super interesting. I mean, that's I,
0: common... I, I'm genuinely super curious about how that transition has been for you. So I have a few questions for you along those lines in a few minutes, but has it been a smooth transition or has it been kind of tricky for you? Um, it's been tricky. Um, I will say that,
1: uh, you know, I'm incredibly lucky and very grateful that the show that I ended up being on was just full of so many amazing, generous people. Totally. Um, not even just the actors, but also the crew. Um, because, you know, when you're new to television, really, you know, what affects the people that are most affected are the crew the totally. camera crew, the grips, the props, the continuity, the lighting, the DP. Like, those are the people that you sabotage by accident <laughs> all day long. <laughs> Excuse me, I have a cold. Sorry, everybody. No worries. <laughs> Those are the people that you accidentally mess up all day long sure. um, until you learn. And uh, it's also like just a completely different language
0: on, a, no on a television
1: set. So it's like, you know, they'll say stuff to you like, okay, so you're going to like do a banana and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, <laughs> what What? I do a what it sounded like you just said banana but that's a fruit so what they're like no do a banana you're like I don't don't." like for the first like four episodes I just felt like I was constantly walking around in like a language immersion program wow and I was just I just was like I'm so sorry what does that mean you know I'm so sorry I'm so confused just take please just take one minute and explain that to me (laughs) and luckily for me I was on a show and with a crew that was so incredibly patient and kind with me. And That's they would fabulous. take the 30 seconds, which is expensive in television. Sure. I mean, I, I think somebody told me that, I mean, I'm sure I'm quoting this wrong, but something outrageous, like every five minutes on a TV set is like $10,000 or something. Wow. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, time is definitely of the essence. And so, you know, they've really sort of taken me under their wing and, Taught me basic um, on on screen craft. Totally. You know, if if I can call it that. And now I have two scenes under my belt, and now I'm, you know, I feel pretty confident technically I understand what's going on now. Sure. But it's interesting to go to another show, um, and a lot of the basics are the same, but, you know, they have their own thing sure that they do and their whole way of communicating with each other and their whole way of excuse me of um you know getting shots done so it's been really really fun to sort of and again i've just landed in it i'm just this other crew at comedy central they also happen to be incredibly patient that's fantastic um you know so i've been very lucky in my tv experiences so far i've heard horror stories (laughs) you know, about that no. and cruising casts that are horrible, but I I'm knocking on wood right now. I personally
0: have escaped that so far. That's great. That's fantastic. Yeah. It seems to me like comedy um, does tend to be a welcoming atmosphere, at least the folks who are attracted to comedy and, and hopefully, hopefully that good luck continues for you.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, comedy can be dicey though. I mean, I have worked in, in comedies in the theater and, you know, it can be dicey because <laughs> oh. there are people who, are, there's a hierarchy, you know, and you've got the leads and then a supporting lead and then a feature and then an ensemble. You know, you've got to be really careful if you're like a featured player.
0: Hmm.
1: You know, you got to be lucky that you're the people above you, the supporting leads and the principals are okay
0: with you being really funny. <laughs> For real, you know, that's something that yeah, that you sometimes. that you encountered a lot, especially in theater. <clears throat> no, not oh, okay. a lot. Okay, not but a lot at all. But okay. I'm saying because you know you've got people who have a, who feel a
1: great responsibility in the in the bigger parts. Sure. Okay. And you know they they want to make sure that they're delivering and they want to make sure that you know I think it all comes down to a level of confidence and sure. security. I have a great story about Oliver Stone actually <laughs> or Oliver Platt. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> We were doing Um As You Like It in Shakespeare in the Park a few years ago, I guess about nice. 4 years ago. And I was playing opposite Oliver Platt. <laughs> now, Oliver Platt obviously was our marquee star. Absolutely. In the show, you know, he was going to get the tickets sold, he was going to get the butts in the seats. And he was a big movie star. Sure. So I was his partner, and I didn't have a lot to do, mind you. I mean, he was touchstone. And I was Audrey and touched is, you know, a very, very big part. And he was brilliant. Yes. And like two or three days in a rehearsal, he pulled me aside and he goes, what are you doing? Oh, I was like, what do you mean what am I doing? He was like, what are you doing? He said, I heard you were funny. <gasps> and I was like, oh, no, I'm funny. And he said, well, why are you pulling your punches? Why aren't you landing your, you your punchlines? And I was like, oh, okay. I was like, yeah, <laughs> I'm funny, but my main job is to lob them up for you so you can slam them down because you're the star, Oliver. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you're the. I have to. My job really is to make you look good as uh, look as good as possible yes. by being, by supporting you and by lobbing them up. And he looked at me and he was like, that is bullshit. <laughs> He was like, I want you to come at me with all of your best stuff. We're partners. We're going to work together.
0: Wow. You know, he
1: was like, you need to to do your stuff. He said, I will support you. And I was just like, I was so thrilled. Wow. And it was such a mark of his own character and his own confidence that he was like, just because I'm a big star doesn't mean that I need like a babysitter. (laughs) He's like, I need a partner. He said, come in and get a laugh that's He's amazing that I will set you up i know so that is a great example of you know <clears throat> a star who's generous and willing and knows that the more people that are funny the better the show absolutely but you can run into the opposite
0: occasionally sure people who are looking out for and their you- own interest as opposed to the interest <clears throat> of the show
1: Yeah. But I mean, also, you have to understand, and I sympathize with this, that if they're the star of the show and they're being marketed as the star of the show, then they have a responsibility in a weird way to, you know, I think it's a false responsibility, but they could interpret it as I have to get all the laughs. I have to do
0: the
1: thing because it's all on my shoulders, which in reality, it kind of is. So I don't really like I have I have a lot of compassion for leads and stars mm. who behave that way because mm. they really are under an incredible Immense amount of pressure, pressure to yeah. sell the ticket.
0: Yeah, that you that, know. No.
1: But I do think though it's a fallacy ultimately, and I think you know stars who understand like Oliver Platt that it's really about everybody getting their laughs in so that the whole show is a success.
0: Totally, no. That you makes know, perfect sense. That's a really interesting. Yeah. I, I hadn't thought of it that way.
1: <laughs> so I have heard stories like that about television, but I have yet to experience it.
0: Fingers crossed. I mean, crossed. like you
1: know, Rachel Bloom is the star of our show, totally. and she just couldn't
0: be nicer. She seems and like more a very generous, and more yeah, kind person. By the way, how did you meet this her? Did you meet her before kind. the show, or no?
1: I well, I did it briefly. Um, I was in a Broadway show, which was the revival of Sweeney Todd, ah. and um, I think she was still a student at NYU, and she was a huge fan of the show, and we had a night where we had made a, a CD of the show, an original Broadway cast album, Sure. and um, she, we had a night where we were going to do the show, and then after the show, people could come and, and get their CDs signed, And all the cast were at these big long tables and they would just, you know, move down and get everybody's signature and say hi. So anyway, she told me this story. We were in hair and makeup. She was like, you know, we met like years and years ago. She said, I came to the CD signing. And she said, you probably don't remember me. And I was like, well, no offense, honey. I probably don't because there was a ton (laughs) of people there. She said, yeah. She said, I was wearing this crazy orange coat. And I was like, wait a minute. What? I remember you. That's crazy. You know, because she, she did. She had this like crazy, like vintage, fuzzy orange coat. But I actually remember. I remember that, and then I remember she said something to me that was so intelligent. Of course, I can't remember what it was, but I remember thinking to myself, "Wow, that orange coat girl, like she's knows, going places. Knows her shit. <laughs> yeah, yes. she knows. She's a clearly a musician, and B, like." in it to win it like I was just like wow
0: that orange coke girl that's super cool and did she like did she did she track you down after things started getting rolling with the show
1: no I actually I just auditioned oh that's so cool it was a very very by the book thing in fact they had one round they had a first round the breakdown came out my agent saw it and they sent it to me and we were both like holy crap that's me totally because as a, as a plus-size woman, you never see a, a, a principal series regular that, that, that's like you. You know sure, what I mean? It just, sure. it just doesn't happen. And then the dialogue was like, the vernacular was very close to mine. And my agent and I were like, wow, this is so freaky.
0: This is a perfect fit. And they,
1: um, yeah. So my agent submitted me, and the casting director was like, yeah, sure. I went in, had an audition, got put on tape, had a blast. Called my agent, said they will never <laughs> hire me because I never get hired for television. <laughs> it was the first pilot audition I'd ever had in my life. Wow. And we were like, Well, that was fun. And I said, Let's do more of these TV auditions. They're fun.
0: Totally. <laughs> like, you know,
1: thinking, they'll never hire me. So then I got a call back, which I my agent called me, I just laughed. I was like, You're joking. <laughs> he said, Yeah, it's for the director, Mark Webb. I was like, Mark Webb, well, I love him. That'll be fun. That's so, so I It's like, go cool. in. Again, have a blast, hit it off with Mark. He reminds me of my older brother. Like, we just totally had fun. I call my agent, had a blast. It's not going to work out. I'm sure they'll hire somebody else, but it was great. They call me back. Wow. For a final callback. And then Aline um, Brosh McKenna, yes. who is the co-conceiver, co-writer, showrunner, totally. occasional director of our show, she and Rachel were there, and Rachel was reading with the Paulas. Oh, wow. So I remember, which was a, so much fun, and I remember we had a moment where we were reading the scene for the pilot, you know, the the party scene at the end of the pilot.
0: Yes, Where yes. we go in the back of
1: the house and have that huge fight. Yeah. Um, it, we were kind of like a third of the way into it, and she kind of gave me a look, and then she kind of went off script and started to improv a little oh, bit. Oh, wow. And I kind of looked at her like, oh, yeah, okay, yes. Here we go. Yes. (laughs) Let's do this. (laughs) And so we kind of like went off the rails a little bit and then came back and kind of finished it. But we just, it was just fun. You know, we just had like a really great connection. Absolutely. I walked out, called my agent, said, that was a blast. They'll never hire me. I can't (laughs) wait to watch the show because I think it's going to be awesome. (laughs) And then not long after, I think like a couple weeks. Aline and Rachel both called me personally at home. Wow. Which I guess is unheard of. Wow. Um, I, I don't think that's a thing that's done in, in the television That's amazing. World. So that was incredibly, you know, gracious and personal and lovely. They
0: seem and like of course, they try to I break mean, the mold say- whenever possible. And I'm sure that's something that. Uh, is, is refreshing.
1: Well, Aline, actually, since she's, um, I mean, Aline Brosh McKenna is like a big deal. Totally. You know, she wrote, she's a huge screenwriter. She knows her and stuff. Yes. Incredibly well respected. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, she doesn't, she hadn't really worked on television a lot. And what, what was really important to her, and what I think is part of the success of the show, is that she's constantly having, you know, get-togethers either at her house or, just you know here and there for the actors and the writers to constantly be in contact.
0: Ooh, Again that's I am neat. unaware
1: of how television shows work in general.
0: That doesn't sound normal from what I know. <laughs> it, I don't think it is
1: and she's constantly um, creating opportunities for the actors and the writers to be to get to know each other to become friends to be in the same room a lot to just share meals Um wow. And I think that's a big part of the familial supportive feeling of our
0: show. Absolutely.
1: And it you seems know, like, like there's a parts very, of you open
0: communication. Yeah, as a fan of the show, it does feel like um they are teasing out parts of, you know, you like Donna Lynn in your character or through your character and I'm sure the same goes yeah. for Rachel. Uh, because they've gotten to know you, and and the character development is just so much fun to watch. That that makes total sense to me now.
1: Yeah, for me actually, the big the big changes were in Pete Gardner's character, because originally oh, yes. Michael McDonald played him in the original pilot. Oh, really? Which obviously we we we, we shot that obviously when we got picked up. Sure. And Michael was obviously. Um, brilliant in his own way, but he was just a lot darker because we were doing, we were doing the pilot for Showtime. Okay. Um, And ultimately, um, you know, Michael uh, McDonald is a, is a huge director now, a huge director. And, um, you know, they asked him to continue with the show, but he was just like, you know, I can't, Yeah, I would love to, but I, I can't because I, between we shot the pilot and then, you know, it took so long to pick us up. You know, he had kind of really overbooked himself.
0: Sure. So
1: they had to go look for a new, a new um, Daryl, and they found Pete Gardner, who is equally as brilliant, but oh, could not amazing. be more of a different person yes. <laughs> than Michael. And so where, you know, where Michael was rather on the on the dark side, Pete is just, as you know, all light yes. and unicorns and rainbows and cotton candy. Like, that's just <laughs> where he lives. He's just the sweetest man in show yes. business. And I just thought it was incredible how they, you know, they had auditions. They didn't try to find another Michael McDonald's. You know, they really yeah. just opened up the playing field, found the best guy for huh. the job, and then rewrote a His lot character. of stuff around Pete, wow. which I just thought was, was wonderful and incredibly successful
0: as well. That's amazing. I love it. And I love Pete so much. He just see, I mean, I don't oh, know him, but he so just good, seems he? like the nicest person ever.
1: <laughs> he really is. Honestly, it's all, that's all pretty. That's all true. Pretty all true to life. I know. I, I love, love it. it when people are like, I love Daryl. And I just want to go, he's real. He's real. <laughs> he's Pete Carter. That's
0: really Pete. <laughs> It's really he disguised uh, as Daryl. That's really
1: yeah. Great. No, he's 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 just one of the best.
0: Oh, that's awesome! I love it. Well, we've jumped into present day quite a bit, which I, I have, I'm eating it up. Um, but I would actually love to know a little bit more about your history. And of course, I had to do some research online naturally. Um, and I, I know <laughs> what Wikipedia told me, but that's about as far as. Oh, I... Oh Lord, Lord I don't I, even know what Wikipedia is saying Wikipedia about me. Wikipedia says. <laughs> This is what Wikipedia says, that you started in theater and music when you were young. (laughs) And that you ended up studying it in school. uh, True. Um, And then I believe, did you get your master's as well? I didn't. I went to Carnegie Mellon University. I got a BFA. Okay. And then I I went
1: for a semester to Oxford
0: and studied
1: um, Shakespeare and Chekhov
0: fantastic so before um, that like did you when you were a kid did you get into music and theater because you wanted to or was it more of a my parents kind of gently nudged me in that direction oh no it was all me it really? was definitely all me um uh, what age did I you start tap
1: dancing at three and a half but here's how wow. i started tap dancing this is a funny story <laughs> i um <laughs> i was um three and a half and I, you know, my mom had dropped me off at a neighbor's house. You remember when we used to do that? Oh, yes. (laughs) Drop our kids off at a (laughs) neighbor's house. Um, And she went to pick me up and the neighbor had an older daughter and the neighbor was like, she just jumps around a lot. She's got a lot of energy. (laughs) And she said, why don't you send her to dance class? You know, my mom, it never occurred to her to like send me to a dance class. She said, okay. So (laughs) we audited this class, it happened to be a tap class at Maryland Schneider School of Dance <laughs> in Rochester, New York. Nice. And I was like three and a half and I'm sitting on the side and I'm watching this beginner tap class. And, you know, those beginner tap classes were like mostly just stand there
0: totally. and do a
1: couple shuffles and sing adorable <laughs> lyrics and wag their finger at you. Yes. Um, so one of the lyrics was like, and don't forget your tap shoes. And I apparently... And very uncharacteristically went ballistic. Like huh. my mom was like, what? She <laughs> was like, what is wrong with you? And I was hysterical, saying literally indignant, how could you take me to a tap class without tap shoes? They literally just said in the song, don't forget your tap shoes. How could you do this to me? direct <laughs> And she was like, wow, okay. So she signed me up and I started dance at you know four, I guess, and then I started piano at seven, and then I started flute at nine, and then I started singing at
0: eleven. Holy moly! And I never studied acting until I went to college at eighteen. Wow. Okay, so it was all it was basically all music to that up until that point. Voice. Yeah, did I you mean, take I was voice very lucky. You may have just said that, and I just—I did. I okay.
1: started voice lessons when I was in junior high. Okay. I mean, I was incredibly lucky. Rochester, New York, um, that section of it where I grew up in Greece, um, has got a lot of support for the arts.
0: Huh.
1: It's a very—I um, mean, ironically, it's a very Republican district, but there is a lot of arts going on. You've got the Eastman That's School in of Music, you've got the Hoxton, you've got the Strong Museum. It's incredibly supportive of of art. And I happened to go to a high school that was just very... It was a public school, but it just had a really, really strong music department, music and theater department. And, you know, I I think I probably would have been in this career anyway if I hadn't grown up going to Greece, Athena. But I don't know if I would um, have been as well prepared. Sure, I learned discipline very early on. I learned... You know, technique early, early on. Um, you know, I got a lot of really great, important lessons kind of drilled into me at a very young Absolutely.
0: age. Did you feel like performing um, came naturally to you? Did you ever struggle with uh, nerves, stage fright, or was it pretty, pretty easy for you? It was all, it was all pretty easy. I did have a moment
1: where I, cause I was also a pianist, I kind of got to a point where I didn't quite know what I wanted to do with myself as sure. like for a, for a living. In fact, when I when I auditioned for colleges, I actually auditioned at a bunch of different colleges for a bunch of different majors Huh. Um, because I was so paralyzed. Um, I didn't quite know what to do. and I, I thought think whatever it's unfair school to ask 18-year-olds
0: money. to choose their life path personally. Do you feel like uh, studying uh, the arts in school, because some people say, you know, if you study the arts, you're never going to make any money, of course. So there's that sort of brain heart conflict going on. I know what's smart, yeah. I know it will make me money, but this is what I really love and this is what I want to do, which I kind of combined both of them when I went to school. I studied theater, but theater education, so I was supposed to be a high school theater teacher, <laughs> so I found a way to try to combine both of them, but do you feel like studying the arts was worthwhile, and I mean, I think the answer is yes, but how do you feel that studying it professionally uh, set you up for success or or maybe brought along some unexpected challenges. Well, I think the key really
1: (laughs) to all of that, that you said, which is incredibly insightful, um, is it really comes down to never playing the what if game as an Mm. actor. I think the most important lesson you learn is the what if game will, will just, it's certain death.
0: Interesting. And I think that applies to everybody.
1: So can you you expand
0: on what you mean by the "what if" game? Oh, it 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 moves forward in the future and it moves backwards in the past. The "what if"
1: game and it will strangle you to death. What if I had majored in something else? What Mm. if I hadn't gotten a theater degree? What if I had gone to that science camp? What if I? That will kill Mm. you as well as. What if I had gotten that role? What if I just worn a different dress to that audition? What yeah. if I hadn't decided to pass on that role and take another one? Sure. The what-if game will kill you no matter what you do for a living. Hmm. So honestly, and I don't know if I learned that because I'm an actor and you are constantly put in the position of playing the what-if game if sure. you allow yourself to succumb hmm. to that. Yeah, no no <laughs> but doubt. But I will say... I will say having been, you know, an artist and and having studied theater, you know, I, I think what's most important and why, you know, arts education in schools is so important and music education is, is so important mm. is because arts is the one discipline that really uses all hemispheres of your brain sure. at once. So, you know, you may be learning a piece of music, but you're also at the same time learning how to problem solve. Say you learn an instrument, then you learn, then you get in part of a band. Then you learn how to play with technique, which is one side of your brain, but also with feeling and emotion, which is another Mm. part of your brain, but also play with a whole bunch of other people and realize that you're a part of something bigger. Yes, That's another part of your brain. So I really feel like if you get a theater degree, and it ends up not being what you follow through on. I think the theater degree ultimately is more valuable in brain training. <laughs> it's skills, a good, very good point. <laughs> what babe? Parenting. Oh yeah. My husband and I, we used to joke when we had a kid, we were, we were just like, how do people have children without musical theater degrees? <laughs> like we used our musical theater degree <laughs> so much more on an everyday basis with our child. than like, you know, in a work situation. Totally.
0: That's a re- let's Let's so, dig into that a little bit, actually. I, I have three little ones. So I totally agree with you there. Oh, you there. do. <laughs> so, oh, so yeah, let's, right? Let's dive in.
1: <laughs> well, I yes. mean, just the fact that, like, we're used to repetition. Yes. Okay, so over you've got your kid over. that... Oh, my God. That wants to listen to Let It Go for the 800 <laughs> time. Now, the normal parent who hasn't been prepared with a theater degree will probably... You know flat line at about 10 repeats but us musical theater people we will dive in there with you and we will sit there and analyze that song
0: for 100 times
1: (laughs) we will find something new in that song 100 times over because that's our job yes that is our job when we do a long run of a show you know a year later You've listened to that that whole show over the over the monitor, or you know, in the yeah. wings, or on stage, like a thousand times.
0: Totally. Good sure job. Yes. I'm yeah, using I mean, that. we've got
1: the muscles. <laughs> yes. But also, like you know, like making up songs for a kid. Like nothing will get a kid to do something faster than if you make up a stupid song about it.
0: This is true. Parenting hack 101. You know, I mean, yes. you must
1: you must have used your degree with your kids.
0: I have as they're the ages now where they're starting to decide what you know musical instrument they want to learn or you know skills they want to learn I have to put up with the repetition and the the difficulty and the I think kids today um they are being brought up in a social media culture where they only see perfection and so it's really difficult for them to make mistakes and oh that's a great point okay with mistakes I see my kids constantly we have a thing
1: in our house yeah, every night at the dinner table, we go around the table and and we um, we share a mistake that we made in the day. I love that. And what we learned from it, and you know what we might do differently in the future. But it's funny because my kid was starting with a sort of a perfectionist. Well, if I can't do it, you know, if I can't time. do this
0: skill the first time, it's not worth doing. And I was like, oh, hold Uh-uh-uh. up, uh-uh. yeah, boy, uh, uh-uh. no, 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 We're no, not no, no, no. <laughs>
1: Dial,
0: yeah, it back. Yes. dial it back. I mean, I just remember as a kid, um, like, I mean, I, I wanted to play the banjo. And so I saved up, I bought a banjo, but I didn't have a teacher. And so I had to just go. It was a, it was a slow, long process of gathering materials and finding videotapes with teachers on them. It took years for me to be able to play. Right, but that you journey, had to like microfiche that stuff yeah, at the library. Right? Exactly. <laughs> so it took forever. And it was a journey. And But then I I see this completely different mindset with my kids and I talk to a lot of educators and they're saying the number one trend that they see really with um, high schoolers and college age kids and even of course elementary school is that they're so afraid of making mistakes because all they see, all they're being fed all day long via Instagram and YouTube and beyond is perfection and so they don't see the struggle and so I love what you do at at dinner time that is a really I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to try that with my kids just I think it's so important for them to see that it doesn't happen the first time and you've got to work and work and work and and that's when you know the reward comes well and the big thing also too I mean again my kid is little he's five but
1: to know that mommy and daddy make mistakes every day, oh, and yeah. that it's not something that you outgrow, and it's not something, you know, that, you, that life is about making mistakes. Every yes. Day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I, I think that's one of the I, I love that um one of the best parts of like Rachel's character is that she's so so severely flawed. Yes. Um <laughs> and female flawed while female. <laughs> which is it's unusual fabulous. on television. Yes. You know, and I love that we're all you know, every I, you watch on Twitter the fans get mad, you know, when when Daryl is me, unexpectedly mean to someone or when Paul is unexpectedly mean or if you know, they get really mad, but I kind of we kind of love that too because I'm like, <laughs> but that's real life, y'all. <laughs> it happens, You know, folks. you've had days where you've been a dick. yeah You're a nice person, I'm sure everyone has like I'm a everyone good person decisions. <laughs> right? right exactly <laughs> you know so it's kind of refreshing when as an actor you know you see a storyline coming down the pike where you're like oh twitter is not gonna like this <laughs> oh boy. you know but then you got yeah you just kind of lean in and go you know what you know you can't have
0: perfect people on this show That's true. it's true not and what I, we're about I was just and it's, l- my yes. turn. it's so true <laughs> We were Last week on the show, we had Laurie and McKenna, and she's a TV writer and soon-to-be showrunner, um, and a former Pixarian, anyways. Um, we were talking about episodic television and character development, and how most TV shows, the characters are constant. They, they don't really change at all, but I think that Crazy Ex-Girlfriend has certainly broken that mold a little bit, because... In real life, over the course of years, we do change. And I think Paula's character, especially in the second season, you see a lot of change going on for her. And so there is yeah. some growth and development, which I find kind of nice and refreshing. It's not you know, extreme, such as if you're watching a feature, uh, you know, you're sitting in the theater for 90 minutes, it seems like the change that happens from beginning to end is quite extreme for most of the characters in those arcs. But in television, it's slower. It's a slower burn. But um, yeah, how has the development of Paula been for you as you've been working? Through well, again, that? I'm really
1: lucky to be on a show with people who think the way I do and who write the way I think. And um, I have to say it that as far as like going back to what we we're talking about, coming from the theater world to the television world, one of the most terrifying things for me or could be terrifying is, you know, you do a theater job, you know, before you even audition for it, you read the play. Sure. Sure. You know, you know how it begins, you know, how it ends, you know, generally, (laughs) there might be some workshopping of it. It might change a bit, but you know, ultimately you know what's being asked of you. Absolutely. And you can choose from having already read it, whether you want to participate or not, you know, on a serial television show, the writers the brass at CW, you know, anybody more important than you, of which there are hundreds, by the way, on a television show. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> people think actors have any power. We don't. Um, there are so many people above you who have yes. more power, who can figure out, who can basically decide for whatever reason, you know, your character is now going to be a serial killer. You know what I mean? Like you just, Yes. and again, I'm very lucky. I'm going to show that is very much in line with my own personal beliefs so mm. i don't ever have to worry about that but i can imagine how terrifying that must be to say you know you're an actor on a show for season 1 and then all of a sudden season 2 like you get a new showrunner or you know you oh, get snap. new writers yeah. or you get a new boss Oof. at the network and then all of a sudden you know you're you've signed a contract for potentially 7 years of your life yeah and the game oh, changes goodness. and it's like jeez you know I have to say these I have to be this person I have to say these things you know so it is it is very sort of terrifying in that to be an actor on a serial show um, if you're not as lucky as I am Mm. to be on a show that is so in line with your own personal beliefs you know
0: (laughs) now with crazy ex-girlfriend you're uh, from what I've heard at least it caps off at four seasons so hopefully you'll be lucky enough to have that core group the whole time
1: I mean, that would be awesome.
0: I, you know, I mean, I applaud
1: Mark Petowitz, who's the president of CW. I mean, he's our, our biggest champion.
0: That's great. Um,
1: and he truly, truly, truly loves the show. And, um, you know, I think us being a four-season show and always having been a four-season show, whether we were going to be at Showtime or at CW, Sure. I mean, one would hope that if they picked us up for a season three, they would pick us up for a season four just so we could finish the story. (laughs) Yes, please. (laughs) Um, But, you know,
0: I mean, there are a lot of moving parts of the television network. That's true. Yes. That's a good point. You know,
1: so you can't really count on anybody. You know, you can't, you can't, I I mean, I don't say count on because that implies that they would be letting us down. Sure. It's
0: more rely Nothing is for certain.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's another thing you know, just being in the theater, you know, it, that is really very prescient where, you know, you're on it, all of a sudden you're on Broadway in an open-ended run. And then Tuesday, you get your notice and you're out of work by Sunday.
0: Oof. So, oh, that sounds like a, a nightmare, the, the a world of uncertainty. Um, it is, it, it oh absolutely goodness. is. But you just, you know, you kind of learn, it becomes a part of your daily life, and
1: you kind of, yeah. you know, get smart with your money. And when you have yeah. it, you invest it. And, totally. you know, when you need it, you take it out. But sure. I think for all the New York people on the show, <clears throat> it's the job security <laughs> of justice season <laughs> blows is, our is minds. <laughs> you know what really blows yeah. my mind? What? Is that like, say I did a year-long run of Sweeney Todd on Broadway, right? Yeah. They my house, I think the house held... Oh, I don't remember. It was hundreds of people was in, in a house a night. Sure. More people. i The Craziest Girlfriend <clears throat> for one show than saw the entire run of Sweeney Todd, an entire wow. year of my life. More people. And to talk it off, Craziest Girlfriend is like one of the lowest <laughs> <laughs> watched <laughs> shows on our television. But yes. It my mind, you know, that a million people can wow. watch a show and it's considered, like,
0: low. <laughs> You're like, no, 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 guys, guys, I come on. I still can't get over it. It's nuts. <laughs> that is, that's amazing. And the parallels between the two, because I think, uh, like, I think Crazy Ex-Girlfriend takes the best, well, some of the best parts of theater and gives them a stage, if you will, on television, which I love because I, I love Broadway. I love the theater, especially musical theater. Um, how have you found the response from the fans Have have you found that just a lot of musical theater folks have have been kind of your biggest champions and fans or is it also winning over audiences that maybe not maybe haven't been known to love musical theater
1: I don't know I mean it's a tough question to answer because I don't
0: really know yeah you're not really (laughs) interfacing with the fans so it's probably not a fair question
1: (laughs) um what's interesting though is to I mean I I can gauge things on Twitter like any any, like what's interesting is I think I did have and I'm not really recognized a lot you know I don't sure in my daily life I don't wear makeup I don't I would throw my hair in a scrunchie like I don't look like I don't look as much like Paula as, you know. And, um, Amen I don't to that girlfriend. But I have had, like, people come up to me and be like, you know, I, I always hated musicals. And I'd be like, well, had you ever seen a musical before? And they're like, no. <laughs> you know, you're just going like, to go, uh-huh. okay, <laughs> okay.
0: Oh, snap. You didn't
1: really hate musicals. You just thought you hated musicals because you've never seen one. So now you've seen one. You, you like love musicals. It. They're like, no, I like crazy ex girlfriend. I was like,
0: oh, okay. <laughs> right. Okay, believe what you want. You know, <laughs> you know it's all good. Like yes. as long as you're happy and they exactly. like
1: you know. Um but it's yeah, I mean I know the I know the theater community loves it.
0: That's great. Um I bet. You know,
1: I mean that's I think you know, what's interesting is you know, as somebody who up until like two years ago was just theater, a theater person. You know, every time a show would come out, whether it's Glee or or um, Smash sure. or Pop Rock, you know, yes, um, <laughs> or Galavan, you know, <clears throat> I would always sit on my couch and be rooting for it and watch it like in yes. time and not DVR it, you know, because a win for any
0: musical. Television show is a win for musical theater. La La Land, yes. (laughs) Oh Um, my goodness. I seriously watched it in the theater three times. So good. Oh,
1: you loved it. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there are, as you know, different camps on it. You know, musical theater people, um, you know, have things they love about it, things they hate about it.
0: Definitely. Everyone's
1: different. Everybody's going to give an opinion. you know, but at the end of the day, the success of that movie, whether, you know, you love it or you don't love it, is a win. Totally. For musicals. Absolutely. For just heightening the awareness of what a musical is and, you know, what it looks like on film and. Absolutely. <clears throat> so it's, I, I'm yeah. a big fan of any exposure to musicals is good exposure. <laughs> in general. For the theater.
0: A, it's, a, it's a solid point. I love it. By the way, do you have a dream role on Broadway or otherwise that you would just love to to tackle someday? (laughs) Well, you know, I'm a big fan of um, new
1: works. Oh, So there's a show that I've been working on for a long time. In fact, we were um, I was supposed to do it and then I got the pilot. So I couldn't do it. Um, But it's um, it's called a are they calling it now? It used to be called Jane Austen's Pride. And... Okay. Now they're <clears throat> it's had a couple of incarnations, but ah. they're calling it Austen's Pride. <clears throat> mm. And it's a really great musical. And it's, um, it's about Jane Austen rewriting um, a failed manuscript called First Impressions and turning it into Pride and Prejudice. Oh, wow. And it's just a really beautiful kind of story within a story of the writer's process sure. as well as you know, um, the creation of Pride and Prejudice. And it's a beautiful score. It's a beautiful um, script. And it's been kicking around for a while. But um, I would love to see that move into Broadway. And I would love to continue playing Jane Austen, which
0: is the part that I've played off and on when I could at various, you know, legs of it. Totally. Have you ever dipped your toe into into re- the writing space? Oh yeah, um, I ha-
1: I mean, I have a, I have a, um, a one woman show which is called Finishing the Hat, which I really haven't done since my son was born. You'll understand this as a parent. <laughs> yes, <clears throat> because it's just too damn hard. Yes, there's just too much to remember, and my mommy brain <laughs> like just. You know, there's limited space left. (laughs) Way the cachet is like (laughs) almost all. But yeah, and I, you know, I've written here and there for things, and I've um, secretly doctored scripts, and I've secretly punched up scripts here and there. Um, Nice. mm,
0: But yeah, no, I'm a, I'm a writer. That's great. What do you find most fulfilling in the the creative process when you can sort of have a hand in in everything, you know, perhaps if it's uh, something like crazy ex girlfriend something from the the, uh, the storyline all the way through, of course, to the performance as as a creative person, what fulfills you the most in in that process?
1: Wow, that's like trying to ask you what that's your a favorite age is of your kid. <laughs> You know what I mean? Because like, yes. when he's three, you're like, oh, is the best. And when he's four, you're like, oh, but four, four is, is the actually best. the best. I'm like, no five, best. no, five is actually the best. It's kind of like that. <laughs> totally. Because every st- and then also like when he's three, you're like, oh my God, I'm going to kill him. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, like every stage kind of has its highs and lows, and totally. I kind of love all of them. That's fair. <laughs> it also depends on what capacity. I mean, as an actor, I have to say I love um i love the performing sure i kind of like to be like i but i mean don't get me wrong i love rehearsing
0: sure i love
1: the process of discovering and fine-tuning and sharing with other people and building stuff with other people and saying okay if i do this does that help you okay if you do that can you help me you know what i mean like i love the i love the process of rehearsal i also like the preview process i hate tech (laughs) but most of the best jokes come out of tech. So, you know what I mean? I I like the preview process because it's still kind of, it's like the best combination of rehearsal and performing. Absolutely. So you've got a live audience, but you're also in a rehearsal period, which means stuff could change. Yeah. Stuff could get better. Stuff could get cut. Um, But I have to say, I just ultimately like the performance process of, of live (laughs) theater
0: um it's fair that makes sense i don't know because i i just feel like that's the the culmination the prize. yeah
1: absolutely <laughs> that's
0: the spring of the process is <laughs> to be let
1: loose on yes. the public
0: <laughs> let the people uh-huh. see and one thing i i yeah. was I, I was always in a, a small a small college and we had a theater program and one thing I noticed and I'm sure that you've noticed is it seems like every night and every audience has its own little personality and they respond so Absolutely. differently to things. It's like they're a living, breathing entity and it that um, unexpected part I think changes the performance a little bit. And I don't know. I always found that really interesting. Yeah, <coughs> They are definitely the final cast member. Absolutely. For sure.
1: And sometimes they're great and sometimes they suck. <laughs> Sometimes Come they are so awesome and they throw that ball back to you and sometimes they are just dead weight and Ugh. you want to fire them and you can't wait for the show <laughs> to be over. You know, it is really amazing. I don't think audiences realize how vital they are to the experience they are going to have. Absolutely. You know, if you've got an audience that's giving you love, you are going to get a, a, a great show. back. Not that we do it on purpose. It's really an energetic exchange. You know, imagine Absolutely. you're playing catch with, you know, a really great baseball player or somebody now they don't have to be great. They just have to be into the game. Totally. You know, imagine you and you got an audience that's catching the ball or at least running after the ball and throwing it back to you. You know, and then imagine playing catch with someone who's sitting in a chair with their arms crossed.
0: Making <laughs> no you fun. throw that
1: ball <laughs> and then run yourself and go grab it again when they Absolutely. refuse to catch it then run all the way back to where you were, then throw it again.
0: You know, that yeah. person's
1: going to get tired.
0: <laughs> That's true. That's a really great analogy. I I, I, I forget so what
1: actors said this. It's a famous story, but at the, <clears throat> at the stage door, I can't remember who said it, but an audience member was at the stage door and they, they were just rude and they said, well, you are terrible tonight. And he <sighs> shot back, he was like, so are you. <laughs> and I thought, Touché. yeah.
0: <laughs> I think that's what that's what I enjoy most about theater is is the audience aspect and even being in the audience and trying to kind of you know get everyone on the good vibe wavelength rather than you know the the brick <laughs> wavelength it's so much fun yeah that's awesome yeah. So is there is there anything these days I have one last question for you because I know you need to get going and you need to get rested up because colds are no fun Um, Is there anything these days, I know you're right now kind of creating content, so you're busy on that end of the spectrum, but anything you've been watching, listening to, reading, I mean, it could be anything, a book, a podcast, a TV show that you found just really interesting, refreshing, funny, something that you've just enjoyed. Hmm. You may not have had time lately, so if if that question doesn't work, that's totally fair. I
1: mean, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, all those things. I have something for every for
0: everything. <laughs> um,
1: for I don't know. I, you know, it's so hard. <clears throat> I recently like left Facebook. <clears throat> Good for you. And I had a personal page, which wasn't, which was my married name, so it wasn't like it was. You know, very much like me staying in touch sure. with friends. And I, I felt that I. I was just getting sort of, it was too much information too fast. Oh yeah. So I've kind of been in a bit of it. I mean, I still check Twitter, um, part for business and part, you know, to like keep on track of like what's happening in the world. But,
0: um, I don't know. Kind of on a a bit of a content fast, if you will.
1: A little bit, which I think. That's healthy. You know, it's very, it's a very fine line because, you know, when you are sort of creating content and, and writing, as I am right now, you know, part of you—it's—it's—it's it's, it's difficult to figure out where you're at. Is today the day I go to a museum to sort of just be inspired by other people creating something amazing and bringing it to fruition? Sure. Or is today the day that I turn off the phone, the Twitter, the laptop, the TV, the radio,
0: hmm.
1: and just quietly, quietly listen? To what my own voice is
0: hmm. today,
1: um, and I think I think being an artist is sort of finding the balance between because you can't you can't put anything out if you're constantly getting stuff in. Yes, I just don't think that channel works both ways.
0: Sure, absolutely.
1: <clears throat> so even if I'm, you know, watching television or, you know, I try to balance my output time with my input time. Mm. I don't like to have more stuff coming into my consciousness than I am willing to sort of put out. Mm. Um, So I think that's kind of, if I have any sort of thought for the day, it's it's that. It's that I'm sort of trying to find that balance, especially with the world being so incredibly chaotic right now. Because, I mean, you know, we do have a responsibility to stay aware and to participate Mm. in in what's happening right now. But you can only participate to a certain level of ability until you become depleted. And then you have to sort of step back, recharge, get back in touch with what you
0: think and what your values are, and then Mm. go back out there. You're so (laughs) right. I've been... Because lately, I know I can tend to be on the side of almost, um, uh, I don't have a term for it yet, but um, gluttony, if you will, in, in terms of consuming uh, content and you know binge watching the shows on Netflix or listening to a kajillion podcasts or reading a zillion books. And if I'm not taking the time to exercise my brain muscles or my creative muscles and, and disengage then those muscles are going to become very weak. Somehow, I think, we think the more information we stuff into ourselves and the more things we consume, that somehow that's going to make us smarter or better or more creative. But actually, that's feel, not the yeah, case. Or feel, yeah, feel less empty. Yes. Totally. It's not the case, And I think I
1: actually did that. I, I went
0: I went over too far, like right after the
1: election. Mm-hmm. I kind of binge binge ate my feelings totally. in, in information. Absolutely. And yeah, that was one of the reasons where I finally decided I was like, like Ooh, I got to cut, I got to <laughs> actually, gotta cut back. it's so <laughs> severe, <laughs> but I have to literally cut off an entire arm of my information. Totally.
0: Um, that makes perfect it, it, sense.
1: Yeah. So it's what I think what I'm trying to do right now is, and also as an artist, you know, you, you want to participate in what's going on, you want to get your, you want to support your side, whatever that side is. Totally. But also as an artist, you kind of want to figure out, is there an artistic way that I can be a part of this fight? Like, I mean, like look at Melissa McCarthy.
0: Oh, she's amazing. Yes. And what she's you know, doing but here's lately, the thing.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. But I mean, I kind of, lo- and like, you know, all like Stephen Colbert and, you know, all of these really, really funny people, hmm. people using their, their talent and their senses of humor in a way that also supports what they believe in, who they are. And I think as artists, we, I I know, I feel this pressure. We all feel this pressure of, you know, it's one thing for me to donate to Planned Parenthood and to donate to, and to buy a subscription in New York times and to do all those things Mm. I'm doing. But as an artist, you also do feel a bit of pressure to feel like what can I be doing with my art, or with my absolutely. talent, or with my avenue of, you know, publicity as sure. small as it may be in my case, sure. You know, absolutely. I, I want to. I want to participate, but I also have to be responsible. And it's just, I think i at the moment. I'm just trying to figure my shit out.
0: Beautiful thoughts, Donalyn. Thank you so much. What? Well,
1: you know. <laughs> But there you're is a lot so of, smart. you know, there
0: is a lot of chaff out there and you got to just it's true. Kind of whack away at it. It's true. To Preach get to the girl. Wheat. Absolutely. Right. rain, yes, rain. <laughs> yes, queen. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. If people want to follow you, even though you're not super, super um, involved in social media these days, I know you're on Twitter. Is that correct? Twitter. I am. DL Champlin. Yeah. Is there anywhere else that you would like folks to find you or perhaps see work you've done? Uh, a website anything like that? I also got one on my website. Oh, it's such a downer um so no well, I do actually i have
1: um I have a professional Facebook page that's Donaldald oh, Champlin. Oh, that might be
0: that yes. um
1: I will link is, to that. I do go on it. I don't run it. Um I have I have a friend who runs it for me. Perfect. But I do I do go on it if people want to send messages or whatever. I do I do read it. I just don't I read it sporadically, I apologize. Sure, I'm Sure. I'm no, that's
0: um, perfect. I will link to both of them. Right, those. you know. But thank you again for joining me today and and allowing me to pepper sure. you with questions. I so appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you for asking. Say goodbye to your little friend. Thanks for listening to Basic Brain Heart with Hannah Camacho. I'm not great at farewells, so uh, that'll do, pig. Check back soon for more heart pumping, brain boosting content.